This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. One where I try and cover as much England content as possible without boring you to tears. So this episode is all about the ladies, the Lionesses. They are back in action after finishing their World Cup qualifying campaign last month. You may remember... They saw off Austria away 2-0 to secure a spot in next year's World Cup. That to be held in Australia and New Zealand. Then they returned to home soil for the first time since winning the Euros when they beat Luxembourg 10-0 at Stoke. The review podcast of those games and all the other Three Lions podcasts can be found at your podcast provider of choice or threelionspodcast.com. Well, this month, the girls, they face the United States and the Czech Republic. Both of those are friendlies. America is on Friday the 7th of October. It's at Wembley. It's a game I'm pleased to say I'm going to, and I'm taking my daughter along with me for her first Lionesses game. And then there's the Czech Republic. That's down at Brighton on Tuesday the 11th of October. Coming up, I'll once again be talking to Rich Laverty about the squad and also a first for the pod when talking about the women. We'll get a perspective from one of our opponents. That's still to come, though. But with the greatest of respect to the Czechs, I think all eyes will be on the America game. It's well known that the women's game over there is of a very high standard. The US women are currently top in those FIFA rankings. They've been there since 2017. In fact, they've never been lower than second in those rankings ever since they were established back in 2003. They are, of course, current and four times winners of the Women's World Cup. There are some big names in the game who are American and they predominantly all play over in America. Uh, defender Becky Sauerbrunn has represented her country 208 times. Lindsay Horan, 118. And no doubt you've heard of Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino, Capped 198 and 194 times, respectively. Morgan, well, she's scored 119 times. And you may remember... She actually made four appearances for Tottenham women in 2020. Now, this is exactly the sort of competitive test that Serena Weigman has been waiting for. Don't forget, she has still yet to experience defeat whilst managing the Lionesses. This since taking over in September 2021. Since then, they have played 21 times, winning 19, drawing 2 scoring 118 goals and only conceding five. At the US, to compare, well, they haven't lost a game since losing the Olympic semi-finals to Canada in August 2021. And since then, they've played 21 times and only drawn three of them. This is a game where two real heavyweights are coming together even if it is only a friendly. Now, the last time they met each other was in March 2020, when they came together at the She Believes Cup in Orlando. Uh, The States won 2-0 that day. This upcoming game will be the 19th meeting between the two sides, and the record between them is 12 victories to America, two draws and four wins for England. And the most recent of those victories being back in 2017, in the days of Mark Sampson. It was a 1-0 win in the She Believes Cup, thanks to a goal from Ellen White. We've only ever met twice in the World Cup, 
America winning both of those in 2019 in France and 2007 in China. Now this is a little anomaly. Back in 1997, England went to America and played them twice in three days. Losing 5-0 in San Jose and then 6-0 in Portland. I think they'll put that down to a uh, not the most successful of tours. And the last time the two sides met here in England was in 2015 at Milton Keynes. Wembley, of course, will be a bigger stage. But back then at Milton Keynes, America won that game. And a certain Alex Morgan, who I've already mentioned, scored the only goal that day. I'll come on to the squad that Serena Weigman has picked in a moment. But let's just also give the Czech Republic the respect that they deserve. They are currently ranked number 28 in the FIFA rankings. They're a team that have never qualified for an international tournament. Not the Women's Euros, not the Women's World Cup. Either as Czechoslovakia or as the Czech Republic. And they haven't actually made it to next year's finals either. They finished third in their qualifying group behind Iceland and the Netherlands. They did though play in this year's 2022 She Believes Cup in America and they actually held America to a goalless draw which I think caused quite a stir. They'd go on to gain third place in the final standings there but this will be the fifth meeting between the two sides. Previously England have won three and there has been one draw. So let's move on to that squad that Serena Weigman announced on the 27th of September. It is a 24-player team. Let's run through it. Three goalkeepers, Mary Earps, Sandy McKeever, Ellie Roebuck. Defenders, Millie Bright, Lucy Bronze, who is the oldest of the squad. She also the most experienced with 98 caps. Uh, Jess Carter is in, Rachel Daly is in, who is, of course, now playing over here in England for Aston Villa. Uh, Alex Greenwood and Esme Morgan from Manchester City, uh, as is Demi Stokes from Manchester City. Lucy Parker from West Ham United and Leah Williamson from Arsenal. Esme Morgan and Lucy Parker, both are new picks for Serena Weigman. Neither have caps. There is a third uncapped player to come uh, and she is in the midfield. Jessica Park uh, of Everton, although she's currently... On loan from Manchester City, but she has been selected. She's in fact the youngest selection that Serena has made. Uh, it's a squad that also sees the return of Frank Kirby. Uh, Georgia Stanway is in, Ella Toon, Kira Walsh, who has since moved to Barcelona. Uh, Katie Zellum of Manchester United looking to add to her three caps. And then up front we have Lauren Hemp. Chloe Kelly returns, of course, the winning goal scorer uh, from that European Championships final. Lauren James of Chelsea, uh, she is selected again. Of course, she won her first cap in those games in September. Beth Mead is in of Arsenal. Uh, she has currently got the most England goals out of this squad, 29 to her name. Uh, Alessia Russo of Manchester United is in and Ebony Salmon of Houston Dash. Again, another one looking to add to her one cap. Uh, it is a squad with an average age of 25. It's got 731 caps across it and 128 goals. It is a squad that is represented by seven players from Manchester City, four from Manchester United, four from Chelsea, two from Barcelona, and two from Arsenal, uh, one from Aston Villa, West Ham, Everton, Bayern Munich and Houston Dash. Now, since the squad was announced, Manchester United's Alessia Russo has unfortunately withdrawn with what's being called a small injury, which is a shame. Ten goals in 15 appearances. She'd have been itching to play a part in these games. And then following that, there was the announcement that both Captain Leah Williamson and Lucy Parker have also withdrawn. 
Williamson, it appears, sustained an injury during training, and she definitely won't be available for the USA game. Watch this space, though, with regards to the Czech Republic. And then, unfortunately for Lucy Parker, she picked up an injury during West Ham's weekend game. So unfortunate. Now, it will be interesting to see how they cope without Williamson. She's been part of this setup for so long now. Not missed a game since the 10-0 away win over North Macedonia in April of this year. But in their place has come Lottie Wubamoy and Nikita Paris from Arsenal and Manchester United, respectively. And there are a couple of names that have been left out of the squad. These include Jordan Nobbs of Arsenal, Chelsea's Beth England, and still no place for Manchester City's Steph Horton. It's always good to welcome Rich Laverty back to the Three Lions podcast. Hello, Rich. Morning, mate. Okay. All very well, thank you. Yes, we have got two games coming up um, for the for the Lionesses. This on the back of a, with the greatest of respect, a disjointed start to the um, the Women's Super League. What with the the Queen's funeral, has that had any sort of impact on on the game on this selection um i think it had a, a negative impact obviously the first weekend obviously there was a lot of games scheduled for big stage which which didn't happen and, and maybe won't happen now but i mean i suppose that's just how it is at the end of the day it was a pretty unprecedented situation i don't think it's had an impact on performances particularly you know what serena's like um i think she was pretty She's pretty set in her ways on things and, and who she wants to select. And obviously there's a, new, a few, few new faces in there, which is good. Um, yeah. It's always nice to see young players come come through. And, you know, they know they're being noticed and they know that they're being given opportunities. But, yeah, I, I, it's been a weird few weeks, really, with, with some of the results. But I don't think that's down to missing games. I think most teams are probably glad for the extra week's prep back in the Euros. So... No, it's, it's, it's been a strange one, but I think that's just showing the level of competition now in the league and the results that we're seeing. So, no, I, I, I think Serena, knowing Serena will probably have had her ideas, um, you know, no matter what happened, really. Well, let's let's just touch on those three new call-ups. Uh, Esme Morgan of Manchester City, Lucy Parker of West Ham United, uh, and Jessica Park of Everton. For those that aren't aware of them. Do you want to just give us a, a brief outline of, of what they're like, their sort of positions? Yeah, I think in a, in different ways they've all done really well. I think Esme, Esme probably I didn't expect in terms of, she hasn't played, I mean, nobody's played regularly obviously because she started, but even towards the end of last season, um, but she has been in the squad before. She's She's not been capped yet, but she's quite versatile as well. She can play right back, she can play centre back. I think she can even go and play in midfield if necessary. I don't think she she really ever has, but I think she's played there maybe once or twice for City when she was younger. You know what it's like at international level, that but quite appreciated. Um, she's a good young player as well. Lucy Parker was probably, I hate saying the surprise name, but, you know, because she's done very well. Um, yeah. she, she's growing as a player. Another one of those that's been out to the US where, they sort of they improve physically as well, which which is a big thing. Um, playing out college soccer over there, and she's come back, done really well for West Ham. And you know, there was a few people surprised she was in over Lissacia, which I was probably one of them. But you know, I think it's deserved in terms of her own individual performances. And yeah, I mean, Jess Park, someone that I've been banging the drum about for a while. Um, I think she's a really, really talented young player. I think anybody. I think there's a compilation going around of, of her touches and, and passes and her and a goal against Liverpool last week at Anfield for Everton and, and she was outstanding and the way she took a goal so composed just going around the goalkeeper was, you know, that, that said a lot about her. So I think Jess is certainly one that we'll probably see in the squad for years to come and I think this year at Everton will do her a world of good um, because she's going to be starting every week and then obviously she'll go back to Manchester City. So... Yeah, Jess doesn't surprise me and, and it's one that I'm really happy to see her in. And 
you know, there's a sh- shift now because obviously Anthony Salmon's in again and, and Lauren James is in again. Obviously, they were in last time and you're seeing that, I don't want to say next generation because I think it's quite a young squad anyway when you take into account your Russos and your Toons and your Hemps and your Kellys, etc. But obviously with White retiring and, and Scott retiring, etc. And, and obviously Steph being, you know, out of the squad, there is spots now, you know, for young players and, I, I probably said on this podcast before the Euros that I thought this was probably a, a tournament too early for the team, and obviously it wasn't. Um, but I think that just shows you what is still to come. That you know, most people probably said, uh, you know, this might be a tournament to bed these young players in, you know, to give them that experience, and then maybe the World Cup is is the one where you're going to have a real go. And and they've already done it, and you're adding more exciting. You know, Ebony wasn't in the squad. Lauren James wasn't in the squad. Um, Lucy Parker, you know, Jess Park, etc. They all weren't in the squad and they've been added in and they're all super talented young players. So I think it's really exciting times for England at the moment. Yeah, because if you if you look over these last few squads, he's just gradually integrating a few players in each squad, not a mass amount um each time. I mean in this occasion, three three uncapped players. And you would expect the and we'll talk about it in a moment, but the, the November games that may well be another two, three uncapped players that come in. But are there, and you mentioned Letitia, are there any players that you would consider unfortunate not to get in this time or or perhaps if they keep up their performances, be be ready for that November camp? Yeah, I, I think Maya's definitely probably the one that's probably closest in terms of not just her performances this season, but at Brighton last season. Um, mm. She's had a good start with, with Man United. Obviously, Serena was asked about that in her press conference. And I think she sort of alluded that it was not just, you know, her scoring goals and it was her all-round game, which which was interesting because I think a lot of people would say Maya's probably ready, but we're not experts. Do you know what I mean? We're not coaches. We're certainly not the England head coach. So yeah. there's obviously little things there she's looking at that, Maybe she feels she's not ready or it's just better with her being with the 23s at the moment where she can maybe train up. And But I certainly think she's going to be the next one. I don't think there's anybody else off the top of my head. I mean, the ones I always said were probably Ebony Sam and Lauren James, Jess Park. They were the three. I think it's it's just interesting because, again, you, you know, we're still, we're, you know, in 2023, we're back on schedule in terms of a tournament that is in yeah. its actual place. We're coming off the back of a tournament that was a year late, and there is not a massive gap. You know, you don't have that two years that you usually have where you can you can bed players in. You know, we're coming straight off the back of a Euros. You know, by the time the tournament was finished, you were straight into August. So you, you're only eleven months away from another major tournament, and there just isn't a lot of time to make wholesale changes. Like I say, she's been forced into some because of obviously Ellen and, and Jill retiring and one or two others that have dropped in and out through injury. So it, it, it's provided her with an opportunity, whether she would have made the changes anyway, if Jill hadn't retired or Ellen hadn't retired, who knows? But it's provided her with an opportunity, but you don't have a lot of time. You know, maybe maybe the major changes will come after the World Cup when you have that two-year gap again. Right. Yeah, yeah, I understand. One question that, I mean, I probably already know the answer to this. Rachel Daly, obviously... She's selected as a defender throughout the the Euros and and her previous um, time as a as a lioness in a what fifty fifty nine caps. Obviously, she's been playing as a striker whilst at Houston Dash. She's come now to to play for Aston Villa. She's scoring goals for Aston Villa. I mean, I'm sure that um, Serena would have thought about putting her up front previously, um, but now she's doing it on a. Uh, on our own doorstep in England, her, do you think she's going to ever change her mind about where to, to position her on the pitch? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's not even just a a Serena thing. It's sort of just always been the way with England that yeah. she's played fullback, she played right back. Now she's playing left back. Well, I'm sure if push came to shove and suddenly you got a ton of injuries, you know, she would. And we have seen her play up front for England on occasion, just not regularly. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one, I suppose. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you've obviously got Russo up there that that's probably going to be the number nine moving forward, and, and I'm sure Ebony Salmon will get opportunities. But I suppose it's just a case of there's less competition at left back. You know, obviously Demi Stokes, right. you know, Greenwood's obviously gone to centre back. 
and it's kind of only Demi now. And obviously Demi, for whatever reason, wasn't the favoured left back in the Euros because Rachel Daly played every game. And and to be fair, she actually did quite well. I think it was probably only the Spain game. She struggled a little bit when, when Athena came on um, at Brighton. But I thought apart from that, you know, she did. The thing with Rachel is as well, it's just a strange one because she is a striker, but she almost suits being a defender as well because mm. she's so tenacious. You know, she's got that sort of you know, that Yorkshire Terrier kind of. You know, <laughs> so you know, she gets stuck in. You know, she'll fly into tackles, and it's just yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one. I mean, you almost feel like it's a case of look, sorry, Rachel, but we've got strikers and we don't really have left backs, so you know, we kind of if you can play there, we kind of need you there. So you know, if Russo got injured and Salmon got injured and and Beth England got injured and whatnot, I'm sure we would see Rach Daly up there. And You know, Serena's not stupid. She knows Rach Daly's goal-scoring record, whether it's here or, or in America. And Yeah, it's, it, it's a weird one. I mean, I think with Rach, sometimes you get pigeonholed as, as versatile. And, like, it's a good thing in a way, like I said, especially at international football, and I mentioned it with Esme, because the squads are so small. If you're versatile, you know, I always say to people, the first name on the squad list is probably people like Rachel Daly because she can go and cover four, five, six positions. But as a player, it's probably quite annoying because you do get shifted around a lot. I'm yeah. sure you have to nail down a position. But, you know, Rachel said, we, we asked her about this before the tournament, and she said, you know, she doesn't care. As long as she's playing for England, she'll play anywhere. Um, and that's her kind of attitude, which is which is good. I'm sure she'd love to play up front. You know, I'm sure she would. But um, if she can do a job there, and, and that's where Serena sees her, like, I mean, at the minute, who are we to question Serena? Because <laughs> she's got <laughs> Like so far, so yeah, I feel a bit um, sat here saying, "Oh, she should play her somewhere else." I think, well, you know, she won the Euros, so exactly, yeah. yeah. No, it's good to have the uh, the strength in depth. Now we've got uh, the USA Friday the seventh of October and the Czech Republic uh, Tuesday the eleventh of October at Wembley and at Brighton, respectively. Uh, I mean, we all know uh, how good the USA are. Um, perhaps not so much about the Czech Republic, but yeah, go on. What 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 do you know about the pair of them? What should we be looking out for? I think the US is a great test um, because obviously, you know, they are still the number one team in the world officially, officially ranked the number one team. They're the double world champions and, you know, they're probably the ultimate test. You know, you know, if you are going to win a World Cup, you're probably going to have to beat the US at some point in Australia next year. So I think... It's an interesting one because I think the US are in a bit of a, I probably have been for a, a while now, a little bit of a transitional period in that some of those old, for, for, for whatever reason, you know, Vlad Kowandinovsky sort of laid down the law to them to say, look, keep your performances up or else you're not going to be in the squad because we've got good young players coming through. Um, and somehow, obviously, Alex Morgan, you know, has had a, an unbelievable year with San Diego and unfortunately she's injured. For this camp, but you know, Megan Rapino's really hit form again lately. She's still in the squad. You still got Becky Sauerbrunn, but yeah, Crystal Dunn's only just come back in, obviously, after having a child. But you know, the other ones that we were so used to, people like Sam Mewis, you know, is not in the squad now. Obviously, Carly Lloyd retired, and there's one or two others that have sort of been in and out. But it's a very different looking squad to what we were used to, and probably what you know, casual viewers saw at the World Cup in 2019 because. You have a lot of young players now, particularly in forward areas, but it's still going to be a tough test because the, the, they have a way of winning and they're incredibly physical, they're strong, they're tough. They've got exciting players as well. You know, Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman, people like that. You know, they brought in Alicia Thompson, 17 years old for this camp. Um, and you still got you know, people like Rose Lavelle are still in there as well. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> It's not going to be an easy game, you know, it's going to be the ultimate test because they are still the number one team in the world and I think it's it's the best kind of test you can have and, and Vlatko said the same yesterday on his his media call, you know, he wants the same thing, you know, he wants these, you know, England are the European champions, so it was a game he really pushed for. Czech Republic, yeah, a little bit of a, I don't know really whether it was maybe a different one in terms of she, she maybe wanted to play a team that, that might come and sit in and, you know, it's a different kind of test. You know, the US will have a real go and, and probably go at England, whereas Czech Republic, obviously slightly lower ranked, might just sit in and, and try and defend. And it offers a different test. Maybe they just couldn't obviously get any team they wanted. I don't know. Obviously, a lot of teams have got busy schedules. Obviously, Spain are playing the US. 
Uh, I think Germany are playing France. And obviously some teams have World Cup playoffs as well. So, But I think it just offers a different kind of test. They'll be tough. You know, I remember they, they last played England, I think it was towards the end of Phil Neville's time in charge. And it was actually a tough game. So, you know, teams are getting better now all around Europe. But I, I think that will offer a different kind of test to the US. And I think that's probably actually why they've gone for it to maybe play against a team that... Because I think England now are going to have to get used to playing against teams that are going to sit in um, and just try to defend because you have that reputation now of a team that could tear teams apart. You know, England broke pretty much every record for goals during the Euros. So I'm guessing, but that's probably why they they picked a team like the Czech Republic for the second game. Okay. Just going back to the squad, how are the overseas players getting on? Are the the leagues in... Spain and Germany uh, started up again. Yeah, obviously I'm talking Lucy Bronze at Barcelona, uh, Georgia Stanway at Bayern Munich, Kira Walsh as well, obviously transferred to Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, they, they seem to be doing well. Barcelona have had a couple of games. They haven't been battering teams. But obviously, I mean, they have a lot of injuries at the minute, actually, Barcelona. Well, they've been winning, um, which you'd probably expect. I don't think they've played off the top of my head, any of the sort of top rivals. I don't think they've played Atletico or, or Real Madrid or Real Sociedad yet. Bayern Munich had a okay start. I think they drew their first game nil-nil, but they've won since then, obviously qualified for the Champions League. They've all been playing, which is good. You know, Stanway started every game. I think Bronze and Walsh have, have started every game so far as well. So that's all you can ask for. You know, I'm sure Serena's what I mean, Stanway and Walsh, you know, in particular, probably peak years of their careers now. So... You know, as long as they're starting and performing, you know, there's no issue with them in the England squad. Bronze is obviously a bit older, but, you know, again, she's probably going to be starting week in, week out. And it'll be interesting to see how she gets on, you know, sort of this marauding attacking right back in the Spanish league. I think it'll suit her quite nicely. So, yeah, they, they all seem to be doing well. I mean, the frustrating thing is you just can't really watch them. You know, the, the some of the leagues around Europe are not overly visible. Um, you can probably go and find a dodgy stream somewhere if you're really desperate, but... Unfortunately, not quite like the men's game yet, where you can just turn Sky Sports on or BT Sport and watch the Bundesliga or, or watch La Liga. So you're kind of just you're reading reports and following tweets to see how they're doing, which is strange when you're obviously so used to watching those three like week in, week out. Obviously, Lucy's had different spells abroad. But um, yeah, it, it seems to be going fairly well. I think obviously they'll all grow into it. You know, it's completely different styles of play. Um, and and leagues for all of them, so it might take a little bit of time. But yeah, it seems on the face of it, it seems to be going okay so far. Yeah, that's good. Good to hear. Say, so I was having the same problems just trying to find the information that was was out there. Now, one other thing which we've already alluded to, and no doubt we'll uh, we'll speak about nearer the time. But on just before these two games have been played, they've already announced a couple more games to be played next month. Uh, in November, um, there's a trip to Spain, uh, not to play Spain, but to play both Japan and Norway in Mercia. Um, this is uh, is this just to get more experience in and, and another camp together? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's those big tests, isn't it? Before a World Cup, you know, like I said, if you're going to win a World Cup, you're going to have to beat teams like the US. You're probably going to have to beat teams like Japan, and obviously to win the Euros, they had to beat Norway. So. It's um, it's good test, you know. I, I said it last year. You, you don't, you know. Again, it was part of the schedule with the Euros being pushed back a year, and, and obviously having to play World Cup qualifiers in the build-up. But you don't really want to be playing the likes of Luxembourg and, and Latvia and North Macedonia leading up to a Euros. You need the big test. I mean, obviously, it worked for England because they won the Euros. But you, you know, you do you want the big test? You, you, you know, they're the teams that that you are going to have to play if you want to win a World Cup and. I think there'll be interesting tests. I mean, Japan have been England's kryptonite in some ways in the past in terms of their style of football is very specific. Like, they're so technically gifted. They just pass, 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 pass. You know, they're so... Sometimes what they lack is a bit of a cutting edge. Um, they, I think they've dropped... I know they're probably as good as they used to be, but I think that's net, that's more other teams are improving. Um, but they're still a very... They're an interesting test because I don't think we've played them since the World Cup. And Norway, you know, obviously there's there's great plot lines there. Obviously off the back of the Euros, you know, I'm sure they'll be out to show what they're about. You know, we know Norway are a good team and, and 8-0 probably doesn't reflect the talent. Um, obviously they have a new coach now who 
will be familiar to England um, with Hagarisa being there now. And obviously she's very experienced, you know, she's coached at, at the top level and I'm sure she'll be going about fixing things pretty quickly and turning them around for the World Cup. So, yeah, I think it's two really good tests. I think it's it's what you need, you know, and, and you know, Czech Republic is a good test in itself. But, you know, three of those four teams are, are maybe teams you're going to have to play to win the World Cup. So, and I'm sure they'll be looking at it the same way. It's a lot of games, you know, so it's a busy schedule. But, you know, I think they're going to win the World Cup. That's what it's all about. So I think it's, um, I think it's, it's really different tests, which is important. Like Japan will be completely different to the US. Norway will be completely different to Japan. And, but they're all good teams. So yeah, I think it's, um, I think they've got some really good games lined up. Well, we will try and touch in with you ahead of those games. But obviously, what with the, the Qatar World Cup, the men's World Cup, obviously taking place around a similar time. It's just going to be, going to be very busy around then. But one one other thing I'd like to just touch on and, and get your thoughts on, and it's not related to the Lionesses, but related to the to the women's game. There is there is an issue in Spain with the, the Spanish national teams. I wonder if you can just maybe just explain sort of briefly what that is so people can just if they haven't heard about it just get an understanding of what's going on because it's quite a big issue yeah it's a really it's a really sorry situation to be honest because you know Spain has emerged now obviously as one of the top national teams in women's football essentially what's happened is 15 players have have written to the federation I think privately I don't think it was ever intended necessarily to go public um, expressing some concerns against a variety of things. I don't think it was against any one thing. A lot of people have come out and said, you know, specifically against the manager or specifically to get the manager removed. The players seem to have said that's not what it's about. It's about overall standards. It's about training. It's about facilities. It's about it's about their well-being at the end of the day and the fact that I think a lot of them are, you know, mental health and, and you know, they're just not feeling, they're just not feeling right in no. the environment. And basically, obviously, the Federation have come out sort of punching and, and, you know, they've made it public and probably a tactic, I suppose, to pressure the players. Um, But they've basically said, look, if you don't want to play for us, we're not going to pick you, which seems to be the case. I mean, the Spain squad for their games is out later today, so we'll find out. But it does seem like it's, it's going to be a very different squad and that the 15 that publicly, you know, wrote this letter are not going to be selected because they don't want to be. Uh, the Federation have also then said, well, we're not going to. So I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, you know, the head coach, there's been other allegations come out, you know, about how he treats players and, and how controlling he is. But, you know, his, his dad works well within the Federation and, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of got that, He's, <laughs> you know, there's this sort of view that no one's going to get rid of him. Um, right. Even though he's he seems to be... <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I, I don't think if they got rid of him tomorrow, I don't think these issues would just go away. I think no. it's a thing. But it's just really sad because they had the situation in the league at the start of the season where officials went on strike and, you know, the the, the, the first round of games were all cancelled. And it's a bit of a... I, mean, I interviewed the Real Sociedad head coach, Natalia Arroyo, a couple of weeks ago before their Champions League game. And, you know, she was very open about it and, and sort of said, you know, that people are at war in Spain at the moment with each other over this and... It's so sad because obviously the Spanish games at such a high point now in terms of Barcelona have exactly. become, you know, one of the dominant teams. We know Spain now are one of the top national teams, mm. and it's just a mess. I don't know. I mean, there's been all sorts with the Spanish federation over the years, and this goes back to even before Jorge Vilda was was in charge, where there was a a feeling they didn't really care that much about their women's team and and how they were treated or or whatever else. And I think the players have had enough now. You know, the players are saying, look, we're not standing for this. You know, it's it's 2022. And, you know, we've got standards that we're seeing being set all around the world that maybe are not being matched. Um, I'm not going to pretend I know the absolute ins and outs yeah. of what's going on. You know, I'm just reading, obviously, the Federation statements and the players' statements. And, you know, obviously, I think you can put two and two together with, with what they feel is going on. Um, and like I said, there's been other reports from from media obviously about things that have gone on that haven't been confirmed like officially but I don't really know how it's going to resolve itself to be honest because the the players are very adamant that you know they're not going to they're going to stand with each other you know the federation are very adamant they're not going to be selected 
but they also seem to be pretty adamant they're not going to change the coach. So whether they're going to change anything else behind the scenes to improve the standards, who knows? But I don't know, there, there doesn't seem to be any give and take. Like the players are sort of standing firm, the federation is standing firm. I think we will see a very different Spain squad announced. There's already rumours, a lot of young players being called up because the 15 are not going to be selected. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, what, nine months out from a World Cup? It's a bit of a mess, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's a shame. Obviously, we, we say squads announced today. We're talking on the on Friday the 30th yeah. um, of, uh, of September. Well, let's hope that that can be resolved in some way, shape or form. They can get around all of this because, uh, obviously, we, we know what sort of how good the Spanish national team are and, and you don't want it to be to the detriment of, the, of them going down to the National League. Um, but yeah, we shall we shall watch and learn, and, and obviously we you keep us updated. I see on, on Twitter where you are quite active. Rich, thank you very much as always for for joining us and just explaining a few things. We we'll talk again. Not a problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. Now, I'm pleased to say I have been joined by Andrew Deacon, who joins me all the way from America. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Russell. You well? I, I am. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Now, uh, first of all, whereabouts are you over there in America? So I'm located in, in Columbus, Ohio, which is considered the Midwest in the United States. For I those see. unfamiliar. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest, my, my American geography isn't isn't the best but what i was kind of hoping is uh, are you out of the way of hurricane ian i am thankfully yes i'm i'm well out of the way right now so yeah yeah that's that's not looking good there but um yeah thoughts with everyone who's been affected by that that's that doesn't look pleasant the lionesses i came across you on a facebook group on a, uh, a lionesses facebook group and and you said you were american and and you follow the lionesses and i thought well this is a uh, this is an interesting one um do you want to enlighten us yeah of course yeah so it is very unique as an american i, I consider myself a pretty standard sports fan over here yeah. but i do like soccer or football as you guys refer to it as uh, more than more than most americans and so i gained major interest in the u.s women's team and then I got into the Lionesses because uh, the American team just became kind of dull to follow after a, a while because we knew we would be winning most of our games and it, it wasn't as entertaining as maybe other teams. So right. uh, that's really how I, I, I got onto the Lionesses. I, and there are just so many fun uh, faces on their team and just seeing their play style just really, uh, just really grabbed me. So when, when are we sort of, talking here what what sort of time period when you picked uh, up on them probably the 2018 2019 right before the 2019 uh women's world cup okay so when uh phil neville was in charge then mm-hmm. so that was the the world cup in france where england got to the semi-finals um and came up against the um the u.s women yeah yeah, yeah. it was a it was a great game yeah it was just the, the U.S.'s firepower matched up with with England's strong style of play. It was it was a, certainly a, a fun fun match to watch, and it, and it was talked about uh, very much on the U.S. side over here, and gained gained a lot of viewership and a lot of uh, a new following from the yeah. U.S. side. Well, obviously, you mentioned there that you I don't know whether falling out of love with the uh, the U.S. women's national team because they were continuously winning. Um, uh, dare I say it that the Lionesses are now continuously winning we, we haven't lost under Serena Weigman that's uh, I mean it's a great achievement certainly but yeah. Um, yeah well I mean who who stands out for you in for the current Lionesses or or from previous time watching yeah. them for me Ellen White was really what grabbed my attention she was her style of playing her goal scoring abilities unmatched anyone else in the world but now that she's she's uh, retiring from the the national team, I think Alatoon uh, uh, or Alessia Russo are probably my favorites now. I think they bring such a uh, a fun style of play and a nice young, uh, you know, vibrant life to the team that can really carry them, you know, into the next World Cup and in major tournaments moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, just with regards to to some of the players, obviously Rachel Daly, she was playing over in the States uh, last season before she was transferred to, to Aston Villa. She was at Houston Dash. Likewise, Ebony Salmon, uh, who is also at Houston Dash, um, is, uh, is in the Linus's squad. Um, what's what's the, the standard of like the, the national leagues over in America like? Yeah, well, they're certainly gaining uh, popularity um, with each major tournament. Um, so the MLS on the men's side has recently just caught on in the last few years or so. So I would say that the women's is a little behind. Um, but I think the more that the game grows over here and the more that it's televised, you know, the, the larger uh, chance it has of becoming more popular. So right now, I think there's maybe between eight and 10 teams. But I think, uh, you know, with its growth, you know, the popularity will, will grow amongst Americans over here. Am I right in saying that as a like a, a school or, or college sport for for girls, the um, like soccer, football is is one of the most popular sort of recreational sports. Is that right? I would agree with that. Um, you know, growing up, uh, the most of the girls over here played soccer in the fall, and then other sports in the spring, or vice versa, hmm. and that kind of just carried on through uh, you know high school. So uh, I would say soccer for um, girls growing up here is one of the most prominent sports. Gotcha. Obviously, our highlight of of this year and of the past, however many years, um, has been winning the uh, the European Championships here on home soil. Obviously, being over in in the states, there you are, what five six hours behind us. Did you get to to see it on the TV over there? Was it? Was the the European Championships available to watch over there? Yeah, it was. It was televised nationally. So over here, there's a lot of a lot of pubs that'll put on um, the the games for uh, the games that are going on over in Europe. So we we I was able to convince my friend group to come with me to one of the local uh, soccer pubs to watch the game. And I have so many England shirts that uh, I was able to loan them out to my friend group. So we. Yeah. So we uh, were able to have a watch party there. And, and uh, other than us, there was maybe 20 to 25 other people there to watch that game as well in, in England shirts. So. Excellent. So, I mean, the, the final, what was the, uh, what was the American reaction to, to England, the Lionesses beating Germany? It was exciting. It was a great game. There was, it was, there was some great goals scored. It was, it was a very exciting final. It was. It was a, uh, I, I watched it and... I genuinely didn't know what way it would go with regards to the result. Obviously, England and the Lionesses had had a great run to get to the final, but coming up against Germany, and we've got this thing over here in England about playing Germany. It's it's always built up as a, a big game. And, and then when Germany went ahead and we equalised, it went to extra time. It was nerve wracking. I, I genuinely didn't think I didn't know what way the the game would go. And then obviously, Chloe Kelly scrambled that one in from from six yards, and uh, and off she went, emulating uh, a famous U.S. women's national team player from years gone by, Brandy Chastain, who who likewise took her top off. And I seem to remember she uh, she tweeted Chloe Kelly saying something along the lines of, oh, "I saw what you done there." Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we've picked up on other little things from, uh, from the States there. <laughs> yeah. It was a really cool moment to see, uh, to see her recognize that tweet. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it's going to become an iconic moment. Um, I mean that, that picture of, uh, of Brandy Chastain there, um, on her knees celebrating Chloe Kelly, it visions of her will become just as iconic as, as Brandy there. But the, the U.S. national women's team, obviously, they are World Cup winners and previous World Cup serial World Cup winners. Thoughts? The you say you kind of fell out of love with them or stopped following them. Is is that what other people sort of feel as well? I would say the majority are in love with the women's national team due to their dominance um, over the past decade or so, yeah. but. I still do like the American team a lot, but yeah. I would I would prefer the Lionesses over them. 
So come Friday, the game at Wembley, it's a big game. It's the first time that the the two teams have ever met at Wembley um, on the women's side. So it's going to be a, a, a very big moment. It's sold out. How do you think it's going to go? I think it's going to be a really good game. I think we're going to see an exciting uh, offensive attack from England matched up with a, a strong, stout U.S. defense. I can see it being a 1-2-1-1 type game, but I think it might come down to a penalty or a, a, a free kick to, to decide it. But I think these, these two teams, they're the best in the world, and it'll be, it'll be an exciting game to watch. Yeah, oh, if it was to come down to a, a penalty to split the two or a, a set piece like that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that could be interesting. But I think you're right in saying it will be a uh, will be a tight game. It's certainly the sort of game that the lionesses need because some of the games that they played, are, as I'm sure you're aware, have been won by double figures, ten nils, twenty nils, which which frankly are, in my opinion, just just a little bit ridiculous. I don't know if um, if America have had scores like that, have they? Not not in this sport, but I, I think the American consensus is that um, these scores are are enjoyed more than ties or one nil games, you know, due to the um, the excitement and the the action that the the match draws. Is that how how like the public see it? They'd rather see a one-sided game than say a tight game that hopefully we're going to see uh, come Friday that that might be only decided with with one goal between it. Well, I would say Americans really li- like scoring, mm. so seeing like a three-two-four-three kind of game would be excellent, but. I think that would be preferred more than a um, a three zero or four zero. Oh, okay, we like to get your money's worth with with regards to goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you're, we're going for what um, a two one or a one nil, something like that. Yeah, that's that's in my opinion. That's what I think it'll be. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I can't see you being too too far out there. So, where will you be watching the game? I will be watching the game at uh, our local. Uh, soccer watching pub so uh in a lot of various major cities in the united states there's uh, a lot of just a lot of um certain pubs that'll put on all the premier league matches or or other important you know soccer fixtures from around the world so i'll be at my local pub what's the name of the pub uh fido (laughs) it's an irish irish pub called fido yep yeah. Uh, okay. As as in, I'm trying to think. Well, I only know Fido as being the name of a dog. I I think I think that's what it's in reference to. I <laughs> uh, gotcha. Oh <laughs> uh, well, enjoy the game, Andrew. Thank you very much for for joining us uh, to uh, to just educate us a little bit about what what football soccer is like uh, over in America. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I appreciated this. My many thanks go to Andrew Deacon there. Enjoyed that one. Also, cheers to Rich Laverty for joining us once again. You can find him on Twitter at Rich J Laverty. Now, both games, the USA and the Czech Republic games, can be seen on ITV here in England, if you're not going to either game. Uh, if you are, please do enjoy them. Now, just before I leave you, just wanted to touch on the horrific tragedy that unfolded in Indonesia recently, where over, uh, I think it was a hundred over 120 football supporters went to a game and didn't return home. In the main, due to police incompetence in their use of tear gas, and from my observations, the initial pitch invasion has sparked this, but the decision by the police authorities to respond with tear gas to the point of a stampede and suffocation is barbaric. I feel for the people who were involved, those who witnessed it, those who have lost family members through it. It's horrific. FIFA have a rule that tear gas shouldn't be a method of crowd control. 
This investigation is likely to be prolonged, but it's already become one of the world's worst stadium disasters. Thank you once again for tuning in. As always, much appreciated. You are more than welcome to follow on social media. Just search Three Lions Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube too. If you're listening on iTunes, you can leave a review there. Should you feel that way inclined, that would be appreciated. And there are plenty of other episodes to be found at threelionspodcast.com. Now, throughout the year, I've been speaking with England fans who have followed the men's senior team to World Cups over the years. And the most recent one was where I looked at Japan and South Korea in 2002. I'm sure there'll be something there to tickle your fancy, as it were. I'll be back with you very soon, hopefully looking back over these two games and also I'll be back with some more England content. I very much hope you can join me for it. So until then, take care, look after yourselves. Cheers. <laughs>